Morning, everyone. Please grab a seat. Well, it's great to be with you. I hope you're keeping well. Um, back in 2013, uh, the company Theranos started to become big. Uh, you might have heard of them. Uh, they promised a healthcare revolution. Uh, their new technology, they said, could run hundreds of medical tests on a single drop of blood. All you need to do was uh, pop into your local shop, uh, get a, a prick on your finger, uh, and it would pick up uh, any health problems uh, in no time, within 24 hours. The company's founder, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, promised that Theranos blood tests would soon be available within five miles of every American citizen. Uh, and she became a celebrated Silicon Valley figure. Uh, people flocked to invest in the company. Uh, in 2015, uh, Theranos, or Theranos, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, was valued at $9 billion, and Holmes had a 50% stake. She was considered the youngest self-made billionaire in the US. Uh, she made it onto Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people. Uh, and that same year, uh, the vice president at the time, uh, a certain Joe Biden, visited the Theranos lab, uh, and he praised Holmes as an inspiration. Uh, but just one month ago, you might have seen it in the news, uh, at the end of May, Holmes, aged 39, started an 11-year prison sentence for fraud. Uh, it turns out that the whole thing was a load of hot air. The company's technology was proven to be useless or unreliable in almost all applications. Uh, many people lost a lot of money. Lots of people were misdiagnosed. And a lot of people looked foolish to have listened to her empty promises. In our passage today, uh, Peter points us to false teachers in the church who promise huge amounts, but whose words ruin souls and lead to destruction. And as we've seen, it's so easy to fall for something when it looks impressive uh, or it seems sophisticated uh, or forward-thinking uh, and when it offers us what we want or just when everyone else seems to be getting on board with it. And yet the dangers that Peter points us to in this passage are far more serious than Theranos. Uh, it's about the biggest problem we have, the problem of sin, and it's about people's eternal destiny. So let's pray before we go any further. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we admit this might not be a passage that we would instinctively turn to in our Bibles. But we know that you have put it here for a reason. And so we pray that you'd help us to listen and to take on board what you want to say to us this morning by your Spirit, for our good and for your glory. Amen. So the problem that Peter is addressing this morning is there in verse 1 of chapter 2, if you have a look. Uh, Peter tells us that there will be false teachers in the church. Uh, in chapter 1... Oh, well, it's been, a, it's been a few weeks, actually, hasn't it, since we've been in uh, 2 Peter. Uh, we've had a couple of weeks out. Uh, so let me remind you where we've come from in this book. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, we saw that Peter urged us to grow in godliness. 
And then in the second half of chapter one, Peter shows us that God has given us his fully trustworthy words, uh, like a light shining in a dark place. Uh, And then here in chapter two, uh, things get serious. Uh, Peter says, there are going to be casualties. Uh, There's going to be false teaching brought into the church, and it is dangerous. He says, this isn't something new. Uh, Peter says, there have always been false teachers. Jesus himself taught of ferocious wolves in sheep's clothing, uh, ravaging the flock. The apostles warned of false teachers uh, in nearly every one of their letters. There have been false teachers right the way down through history. And there are people today, uh, not outside the church, but in the church. At the beginning of uh, chapter 2, Peter warned us that they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Uh, They specialize in lies and false words. uh, And they do it secretly. Uh, Not in the sense that they uh, kind of do it in some dark corner whispering to people. uh, But in a sense that they use Christian language. They sound authentic. Uh, They smuggle the heresies in. Uh, They talk of having faith. Uh, sharing the love of God. They talk of spirituality. Uh, but maybe they deny Jesus' resurrection uh, or his authority or his words about sin and the desperate situation we are in without him. And here, Peter warns us not to fall for it. Uh, there were early whistleblowers in Theranos uh, who warned people not to invest. Uh, they said, there's no substance in this technology. Uh, and Peter does the same here. Uh, he calls us to be on our guard because false teachers uh, or church wreckers uh, very easily look the same as everybody else. And so... Peter gives us four marks of the false teacher, four alarm bells to look out for. And here's the first. They are arrogantly reckless in what they say. Peter tells us at the second half of verse 10, uh, they are bold and willful, and they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Uh, Three times Peter uses this word uh, blasphemy about them. Uh, And to call them blasphemous means... Uh, that they speak with a reverence uh, about God uh, or about other important spiritual things. Uh, they are being flippant and irreverent. Uh, it's difficult to know um, who these glorious ones are that Peter's talking about. Um, they could be angels, um, or uh, the word for angels can mean God's faithful messengers. So it could just mean uh, faithful teachers like Peter who are being blasphemed. But either way, uh, they speak arrogantly and irreverently. Uh, They claim to have the truth when they don't actually understand it themselves. Uh, Verse 12, they are like irrational animals. Uh, They're impossible to reason with. Uh, They claim to have a more sophisticated understanding uh, or new insights. The false teacher is not willing to humbly sit under the teaching of the Bible. Sometimes it's a bit like uh, they take their Bible and they take a pair of scissors uh, and they just cut out the bits that they don't like or that don't fit with what they want. And it's 
an incredibly arrogant thing to do with the word of the living gods. Which means that their God becomes like them, uh, rather than them getting to know the living God who has revealed himself in history and revealed himself in his words. Uh, We're told they're ignorant, and yet they speak with arrogance. Uh, And so verse 12, their voices are like the grunts of an animal, merely caught to be destroyed. It's a sober warning, uh, both to watch out for these teachers, uh, but also to watch ourselves. Are we sometimes tempted to think that we know better than God? Or are we tempted to pick and choose the bits of the Bible that we like? The next alarm bell uh, we're given is that they are shamelessly immoral. You see, when we lose sight of what God's word says and what it teaches us, uh, ungodly living is so often not far behind. Uh, The second half of verse 13, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. Uh, They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions whilst they feast with you. Uh, Potentially meaning they share the Lord's Supper whilst they're doing this, uh, like we're going to do later on this morning. We read they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. Uh, They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. They are caught up in the the two things that are most likely to derail Christian ministry or any Christian, uh, greed and sex. Uh, So many scandals are caused by these things, aren't they? Uh, And sadly, there have been various church scandals in the last few years. Uh, They rightly shock us, but we're reminded here that they're not completely unexpected. And we're told, verse 14, that these false teachers entice unsteady souls uh, rather than care for the vulnerable in their flock like we're called to do. Uh, they use the vulnerable. And they have no shame. They're not repentant. Uh, they're not asking for help and accountability in their sin. Uh, they're not humble sinners seeking to be changed by the Spirit. Instead, sin characterizes their lives. Uh, And we're told they're greedy uh, rather than generous with their money. Uh, Still today, there are so many false teachers who seek to make money from their teaching. Uh, They say, uh, if you give, uh, then you too can be wealthy uh, or you can have your prayers answered. Uh, The prosperity gospel is rife in so many countries, isn't it? Uh, And in a similar way, they entice unsteady souls. Uh, They use those who follow them. Uh, And Peter, uh, he gives us a case study in this passage, doesn't he? Uh, He says, he he gives us a study to show there's nothing new under the sun. He tells us that these false teachers are simply following the way of Balaam, verse 15. Uh, Balaam was uh, someone who lived hundreds of years beforehand. You can read about him in uh, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Uh, And he was someone who knew God and knew his ways. Uh, And yet, uh, the king of the time uh, offered him a bribe. Uh, And at first, uh, he knew it was wrong and he rejected it. But after a while, he he caved in to the increasing bribes. Uh, And he was offered wealth to preach against God's people. Uh, And he led them into sexual immorality uh, whilst lining his own pockets. 
Uh, and so God uh, used Balaam's donkey, of all things, to rebuke him. Uh, Peter tells us here that it rebuked him and restrained the prophet's madness. Uh, he lost his mind. Uh, lust and money have the power to make us irrational to the point that we could be described as mad. And it is a slippery slope uh, that can cost us our life and our soul. Uh, Balaam knew God and yet he threw it all away, didn't he? Uh, and we too need to hear the warning. Uh, 2 John 1 verse 8 says, Watch yourselves. Uh, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Uh, Paul writes to uh, the young Timothy, uh, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Uh, this is a, a sober warning. Uh, I need to hear it. Uh, Ken needs to hear it. Uh, every one of us needs to hear it this morning. Where do you need to watch yourself? Uh, where are you tempted to push against God's words? Where are you tempted to keep sin secret? Uh, maybe it would be a good idea to share those things with a trusted Christian friend today or this week. Uh, we're in this together, aren't we? Um, we, need to, we need one another uh, to, be in, to, to resist this and to fight this together. Uh, we're to watch for false teachers, uh, but we also must watch ourselves. You see, these church records, they promise much, don't they? Uh, their offer looks enticing. Uh, maybe they teach that you don't need to worry about what God says about sexuality, like we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. Uh, or you don't need to worry about what God says about your money. Uh, it seems attractive and easy. Uh, but Peter says, don't believe their lies. Uh, and he goes on to say that we need to watch out for their empty, hollow offers and promises. Uh, one of our mission partners, uh, Elspeth Gray, uh, was in North Africa fairly recently, uh, and she was saying that uh, the temperature got up to 40 degrees or so, uh, and in the heat of the sun, you get parched, and you, you just need to keep on drinking all the time. Uh, and Peter gives us uh, a vivid picture of the empty offer of these false teachers. Uh, he tells us, verse 17, that they are waterless springs. Uh, imagine walking through the desert uh, in the baking sun uh, and you finally get to a spring uh, and yet it is completely dry it's dry as a bone it promised so much and yet it's empty and dry and what these false teachers offer is not the gospel uh, the gospel that brings life and joy and peace and freedom from guilt and shame and a relationship with Jesus Instead, there is nothing there. Uh, they cannot satisfy our deep human longing for something better. Uh, what they teach is dry and ineffective. Uh, it's not the living water that Jesus offers us and holds out to us. 
these false teachers claim to offer freedom. Uh, But Peter writes, verse 17, that they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. They're like people shouting that they can offer you freedom, and yet they're in chains themselves. False teachers might appear to offer freedom, uh, but we actually become enslaved by what we chase and the things we desire apart from God. The great uh, Bible preacher John Stott uh, once said, freedom to disagree with the Bible is an illusory freedom. Uh, In reality, it is bondage to falsehood. But if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Peter starkly shows us here that if we play with sin and let it master us again, in the end, it leads on a path to destruction. And in reality, it's irrational to turn your back on a knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Peter writes, verse 20, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. For all their spiritual words and churchy activity, These false teachers have turned away like Balaam. Uh, They are unchanged by the gospel. And that is serious. Uh, Peter says they will be given over to utter darkness. Uh, They'll be destroyed like a caught animal. Uh, Their situation is far worse than if they had never started at all. Uh, And here we get another... A vivid, unpleasant picture from Peter. A dog that vomits something up, maybe because it didn't sit very well in its stomach, and then it returns back to its vomit. Yep, gross. <laughs> I've seen my dog do it, sadly. But that is how irrational and foolish it is to leave the true gospel behind and to return to a life characterized by sin. Fairly grim and sober reading, isn't it? Folks, I've got to be honest, uh, I wasn't massively in the zone for preaching this week. Uh, But I started looking at this on Monday. uh, Sermons on uh, bigger motive topics like that one last week, uh, a lot of work, and uh, maybe it's just me, but they take it out of you emotionally. Uh, And uh, particularly at the end of a busy term, And to top it all off, my son Ezra managed to break his arm last week and was in hospital for two days. And I quite fancied a week off preaching. And when I opened up this passage on Monday, uh, I thought, really, Lord, can I not just speak on something uh, a bit more refreshing and straightforward this week? And not something about dogs and their vomit. It's not a passage that we love to turn to in our Bibles, is it? Uh, But later in the week, um, we had a fantastic uh, Bible study as a staff team in Psalm 84. And uh, here's um, here's what that psalm says. 
that's up on the screen. Uh, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shields. Uh, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. That's a psalm that reminds us how good it is to dwell in the house of the Lord and to be his people. I was reminded of the amazing blessings that we have in Christ. Do you remember just last week we talked about that incredible new identity that we have in Jesus? Uh, He gives us the identity uh, of being in his family. Uh, We're no longer defined by our sin, uh, but instead we can know deep down that we are precious children. We can know that we're free from guilt and shame. Uh, We're loved by him. We're inheritors of the kingdom. Uh, That is our wonderful new identity in Jesus. And I felt like I... I suddenly got Peter's concern in this passage and why he writes with such an intense sense of urgency, doesn't he, and a a deep concern for the church because there are people who are seeking to rob us of that identity. People who entice unsteady souls away from the Lord Jesus with false teaching and it is a terrible thing to walk away from that new identity that we're given in Christ. And it's even worse to slip into false teaching ourselves. And so Peter urges us, uh, don't fall for it. Uh, However attractive it might seem, however much it might seem like the teaching of these false teachers makes life easier in our culture and doesn't clash so much. Uh, Be on your guards. Uh, Don't give up the freedom and blessing of being in Christ and the goodness of following his ways. Uh, We must be careful. And we mustn't assume that this could never happen in our church. And we must stick close to the Bible and sit under its authority and check um, that what is being said from the front up here is what God is saying in his word. And we must watch ourselves and flee sin, which can be so enticing. And we must recognize as well that sometimes we need to draw lines. Uh, There'll be times in church and uh, times in the wider church uh, when we have to draw lines out of love and concern for others, uh, even if it causes disagreement. And we must warn people like Peter Uh, But we need to have humility uh, and courage and patience uh, and prayerfulness as we do that. And above all, uh, we must remember uh, and rejoice uh, that we do not have an empty promise like uh, those Theranos blood tests or or like a waterless spring or like a mist that does nothing to water the crops. Uh, No, we have Jesus the living water, uh, the bread of life, and a day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Blessed is the one who trusts in him.
Let's pray. Father God, this is a sobering word, but we know it is here for our good and our warning. Please keep us close to you. Keep us immersed in the scriptures and in tune with your spirit. Help us to actively flee sin. And please will we be individuals in a church who faithfully pass on the truth of the gospel and who delight in Jesus and in following his ways. Help us to delight in him once again this morning as we share communion together. In his name we pray. Amen.